Seize the means of production. Seize the memes of production as well. Memes of production. All right. I like that. Bonnie Sandless. Dankest memes. (laughs) Dankest memes. 99% of the dankest memes memes are about me. Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I actually have my two co-hosts here today. Ryan? Is that is that a jab at me for, for not being around? The last two episodes, one of you two have not been here. Well, that's because Scott doesn't like D&D. <laughs> and then you weren't here because you weren't feeling well. That's true. <laughs> but it's fun. We had a great conversation yeah, individually. Uh, uh, yeah, like one apparently on one. it was so good that a stranger emailed you guys <laughs> how good it was. So I see how it is, everyone. <laughs> yes, we got a lot of good feedback, and Scott's here. We need free universal med- magical healthcare <laughs> for all elves <laughs> and a non-human species. We need a free magical and education throughout the real- real realms. Throughout the realms. We will no longer have, an, have a gold economy that only serves the Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> uh, that's great. That, that's a holdover from what we were doing right before we started recording. Yeah, indeed. Yep. So, hello and welcome, everyone. Uh, I want to, like, I was trying to allude to, but I forgot that Scott was here, so I had to introduce Scott, was... <laughs> We've got a lot of good feedback from the last couple episodes. Uh, some people have emailed us in. Thank you very much, Mr. Michael Tyson, our great patron. He has uh, made a few comments uh, that I've really enjoyed about helping me with my orcish accent <laughs> for related to what we are going to talk about later uh, on. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah, he's from the UK, isn't he? Yes, he's a bit, he actually, he, he, part of his match is he, he played a lot of Rogue Trader, um, the FFG game line, which I'll get to in a little bit. How's your gaming been, actually? Gaming's been fine. Um, I think uh, last Aeon game was really fun. Fuck yeah, yes. it was. Yeah, it was that awesome. was that was that was some interesting planning we had uh, to do. Some planning and some fallout from from the eruption. Uh, the eruption. Vampire's been good. Amber's been good. Uh, so I've been having a good time. Oh yeah, Amber's gotten a little spicy. Oh yeah, well I I kicked shit into high gear for y'all. Uh, good. It's time it's time for the weirdness train to start going. Yay! Uh, y'all guys have been too lovey dovey, and now they've got to put the screws to you. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's part of our like natural instincts not to like PvP the shit out of each other. Yeah, no, you're not playing the game right, man. Yeah, it's a little rough, dude. That's a that's a sign of age. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. It's like as I've gotten older, my empathy glands have gotten bigger, and I and I I know that's weird to say, but like. Just don't want to be mean to people anymore. Except if people send us mean comments, then I will. Then say, absolutely, one hundred percent. Unless I really do want to be mean to you, <laughs> I'll be very mean to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, my gaming's been good. We have just me and Ryan have just uh, dived right into Dungeon of the Bad Maid. It was so fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Very dungeony. Right oh, now. it's it's all very dungeony. It's all Did dungeons. You spend your gold. We only. I only was able to spend about three grand. Like, well, we also were limited on like the amount of time and everything to figure out what uh, we wanted to purchase. He didn't want us to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Andrew's a very reasonable D- GM and Matt made a very good suggestion of like, okay, can we all just have three uncommon magical items that we want? You roll on the table in Xanathar's and we just, those will be fine. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then if we wanted something rare, we have to roll for it and do a little bit of more finagling. Mm-hmm. And, and those wait, will, we have to wait. We longer. have to wait. Time, right? Sure. Like weeks. Which, yeah, more yeah weeks. It'll, it'll be waiting for you if you come back up from the dungeon. Yeah, and that's kind of what we want to do. And we don't know what we're going to get from the dungeon to, uh, also. Yeah. We may find something that we wanted. There are probably flute the tables. Yes. Flute <laughs> But it is... is the, did you get like a cool loot? Uh, uh, Linda, actually Linda did. did get a cool loot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she actually specifically got I one. need to read up on that loot. It's, it sounds pretty nuts, though. Uh, those magical loots are great. That's also, that's a rare item, too. Oh, did she? Okay, that she was one, got That, that item rare. was a rare item. Yeah, she I, waited on that one. I just finished uh, rereading The Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear, so magical loots are on my brain. Oh. Magic loots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, right. Wow, you, you, how, how long did it take you to go back through those? I mean, I've been doing it on audiobook, so not, not that long. Not that long. They're, so, okay. they're good though. They're fun. I, I haven't listened to it yet. I've been kind of putting it off because I've been doing a horror on a little horror kick yeah. again. No, it's good. I enjoy them. I mean, there, there's there's some sections of Wise Men's Fear that are just all like, "Come on, Pat, two sex with two ninjas." 
<laughs> one was was all right. <laughs> Two ninjas, Pat. And you know, okay. the th- here's the thing about him that annoys the shit out of me. He's a real gigantic dick. If you if they ask about the third book, yeah. Anytime well, anyone asks about the third book, it's been years, mm-hmm. and he's like, eh, and he's kind of well, mean about it. He's probably very frustrated with because he can't produce it. it that's probably what I mean, it comes down to. I mean, I hope he he's doing all these other side projects and shit. And I, I guess he's just trying to get his juices, get his juices flowing. I'm just saying, man. R.S. Belcher and Kadri are fucking consistent, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've 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 come to terms with the fact that some of my authors are oh. like clockwork, and some of the authors are not like clockwork, and, and you just Scott, have to wait. Scott Lynch, man, Jesus Christ! Oh man, Scott Lynch, Jim Butcher for a while was like fucking every, every year and a half we got a new Dresden book, but the man Peace Talks has been erg. I've been uh, listening to a podcast. Uh, got Robert C. Cargo on it, and every week they go over a writing tip, but I've been applying all of the writing tips to role-playing, and it works very well, and I don't blame writers for, like, the methodology they have to go to write, because everyone's a little bit of a snowflake in that regard when you start writing. It's just, but They all want free healthcare and avocado mm-hmm. toast. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to gaming. Back to actual uh, gaming, gaming. So, if uh, you've been following Tender... Uh, which is sort of the dating sim, AR, the dating app ARG that Paradox has been backing, which is very obviously a Vampire the Masquerade product if you look just like one layer below the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Yeah, you don't know anything about Tender? No. Okay, so Tender is an ARG that's been going on for about a month now. Okay. Uh, and it's set up like a uh, dating app, like uh, Tinder. Okay. I got that, um, yes. And also, to, to note... Tender has specifically is has been mentioned in the vampire the new vampire books, like they mention like they mention it. So if you like if you if you've read the books and you see that you're like oh this is a vampire thing. Gotcha, gotcha. But basically what's been happening is as people have been going through and undoing doing the puzzles and unlocking things, they will occasionally unlock uh, like a short video or a still image um, that looks very much like something very blood bloodlines ish. Gotcha. So the twenty first, which um, is in a couple of days, in from a couple now, of days from, from from this recording. So I think it's going to be th- Thursday. Actually, yeah, actually, you are correct. So, so as day- as of as of the day of this podcast release, uh, we will know what it is that Paradox is announcing. Yeah. Or in relation to this. A new, a new Bloodlines game would be fucking sweet. Yeah, um, the a lot of people have been going back and forth about, is this a remake or is this a new game? Uh, the people who I've been following who sort of put their two cents in, these are people who are very knowledgeable, who are very in the know, um, as well as just, you know, perceptive and keeping of what's going on. They have basically said that it looks like the images that we're getting are not from L.A., but Seattle. Mm-hmm. Which means that it's not, it's probably not a remake, it's probably a sequel, or, or some other type of game. I I mean, that, that, that tracks, though, I mean, guys, the 90s are fucking over, like, they are in fact the entirety of the world of darkness has moved forward to the now, Mm -hmm. it would be very unusual for them to To go back, to go back to the original story and setting of Bloodlines. Yeah, they're gonna want to go with something that's set in the V5, in V5, yeah. Um, so I'm looking very much forward to to finding out what that is. And, yeah, officially. And, so, and listeners, like few, you listeners in the future know what it is, and myself in the future know what it is, but Scott right now doesn't. But he's making a prediction. He's hoping his psychic powers have awoken enough that he can predict accurately what will happen. Another piece of news is that uh, tomorrow, so Wednesday, yep. oh no, Tuesday, sorry, yep. uh, the Kickstarter for Critical Core is going live. Uh, cool. Which Critical Core is basically a group of gamers and child psychologists and other like sort of sort of uh, like autism and other sort of special needs uh, psychologists mm-hmm. are basically putting together a hey here's how you people help kids with special needs through role playing. Oh, that's very oh, cool. That's I, awesome. I love that a lot. I will probably back that. Actually, I will back that. Yeah, because that is is I mean that's that is exactly what we have been talking about. Uh, in sort of a one step to the side, yeah. I mean, through this entire podcast, yeah, we've brought it up a couple of times about how you can utilize role playing to help people. Because I brought up like articles from Cracked about mm-hmm. 
people inside prison using role playing as a yep. way of sort of working through and just keeping themselves engaged with fellow human beings because prison is an isolating and uh, alienating experience. Uh, and so that's super rad. Yeah. I so really they, they make they make a very uh, very strong statement as far as what that is like. Some of these techniques should only be used if you are a trained psychologist, right? But you can still learn from them and apply them in a responsible way. Uh, but it's sort of it's half gaming manual, half like treatise on how this no, shit. No, I be will done. absolutely back this, and you will absolutely have a link in the show notes, everyone. So please back it, back it, back it. Yeah, that's that sounds like something that that we are are fully behind. And yeah, um, we would like for you out there to be fully behind. Um, oh, uh, another little bit of news. Actually, two pieces that are D&D-esque related. Mm-hmm. One is Critical Role, if you haven't heard, if you're in the gaming circles. Uh, f- wanted to do an animated project, and they have gone straight to the fans and said, hey, guys, fund our animated project to give you basically an animated shorts about uh, uh, Vox Machina and their various adventures. And they did. The whole and they. they did. And they still are because it's still going on and they're like at like six point something million they are, dollars. They are the ones who I am currently congratulating for their Kickstarter being funded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, most certainly. Someone somewhere did, but also those guys a whole bunch. Oh, just 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 a lot. Yeah. They're, um, I mean, they're doing, um, uh, was it uh, a Titmouse is doing the animation? Yeah. Which is great. Like Venture Brothers. Like- Venture Brothers and all that, which is good because, uh, so it looks like what had happened is these probably guys did go to like Netflix and other places and like pitch them, but they were either didn't get good enough deals or they weren't allowed enough, as much control as they probably wanted. And then they're like, well, let's just go to the fans to get it. They funded. are currently at $7.6 million. Jesus I don't know how much Christ. it costs to produce an animated TV show. Well, well, that's that's with basically all their stretch goals. Like, I think that's all their stretch goals. Yeah, um, because they were gonna they're gonna do like uh, specials and. Well, they originally only do like a couple episodes, like a little bit of an arc. But now they're doing like a full. They have enough to do a full arc of like this one of their stories with this group. Yeah, they're doing a. They're, they're basically doing. It's called the Briarwoods arc, mm-hmm. which is like the most iconic arc of this first the first campaign. Yep. Uh, as well as a bunch of other specials and. Um, well, they're getting to live the dream. They are very uh, much getting to live the dream. A uh, thousand percent. Uh, oh no, that's not. They're not. They're, there's the. So jealous. They they are not at their last stretch goal, which is eight point eight million dollars. Yep. But they are. They're second to last. Uh, they've got like. Yeah, a bunch of episodes of this Briarwood arc, a bunch of one shots. Yep. Um, and like, oh my god! You can get if you if you give them enough money, you'll be getting lots of cool binnies. Um, there's some really really big ones like ten, twenty, twenty five thousand, which is would you like to be flown out to watch the premiere of this with us and get an executive producer credit on the show? All this other stuff on the on the C team, they had a really funny bit about it. They're like. Yeah, give me give me five million dollars and we'll do whatever you want. We'll do anything. <laughs> we can call it an animated series if you like. <laughs> that makes but we'll better. do anything multiple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They it was actually kind of funny. They they within like twenty four hours they had like busted through their goal and then some, like of just Matt Mercer and the man's going, just looking utterly bewildered of like, mm-hmm. what do we do? What the fuck do we do? Get ready to do some voice actors. Get ready to do a bunch of voice actors, voice actors. Yeah, I mean... But anyway, more power to them. Uh, I might be able to consume Critical Role in that manner. That's what I was actually... It's like, oh, good, I'll actually get to know what the fuck people are talking about. Because there's <laughs> literally no chance in hell I'm going back through the whole it's thing. It's too much. I've tried uh, to get- I, 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 I've I tried to go through their second season. I tried to be very on top of it. But I, personally, it's too long. Each episode is too long. It's like... Two and a half, three hours long. Like, cut I don't, it up some. I don't mind the length. Uh, it's a combination of the length and the fact that there are so goddamn many of them. Yes, there's like, like eight, it, seven or eight like, of them. I, I'll say it here. I'll say it again, time and time again. Four is the right number of core cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can you can spread out the story and keep it focused. And I'll even watch like you know C Team and LA by Night. Those are like three hour shows. Yeah. I'll watch them, but because they have four core cast members with guests from time to time. Yeah, I, 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 this, I know he can. Ha- he obviously definitely handles so many people, and mm-hmm. obviously are very well trained 
performers, and so they know when to shut up and when to talk mm-hmm. and not talk. Because so I'm watching Matt Koval's stuff right now, mm-hmm. and those are not those are normal role players. Those, those are, are gamers, normal yeah. people. There's a lot of crosstalk. There's a lot of like, oh, but this then, but. The, the guys on Critical are like, I want to do this, and this is what I say, and this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of hesitation or sort of meandering around a subject. It is very well, they're, definitive. They're obviously very skilled at improv and, yeah. and you know, and being on a stage yeah. with other people. And, and I think that's part of the appeal of Critical Role is just because his ability to handle them as a GM and being very evocative, mm-hmm. very, very colorful. I can recognize the skill. I can recognize the talent. The format just doesn't do it for right, me. Right, exactly. It's 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 not for everyone. And that's part of my, my, why Matt Coble produced his. Mm-hmm. He was like, Critical was a great D&D game, but it's not all of what D&D kind of, that's the only, not the only thing. Mm-hmm. There are other ways, and this is actually, I think Matt Coble is a little mm-hmm. more quote unquote honest like this is more typical like this well, and, and then you got you know c team which is hey let's eat a bag of mushrooms and let's go yeah yeah it's, um, it's, we're playing quote unquote D D, but no it's 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 jerry Holkin's psychedelic adventure yeah uh, which i love which whatever okay, floats you so back, fun so fun fact my mother really liked murder house our, our, our oh she did yes yeah, she started listening to our our the mm-hmm. crossover we did, yeah, with the uh, with vicious mockery, yeah, and but we were at dinner uh, yesterday, and she's like, "I will say though, it did get a little gross towards the middle," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, don't worry, we kill him." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, good, <laughs> love you, mom." Yeah. Uh, it's okay. I thought the adventure was over. I would have, I wouldn't have killed you guys so so quickly if I had known. Oh, I think she was, was talking about. Vahino. Vahino. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's who she was referring to. Vahino was very uh, salty. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, But anyway, let's get on to our topic. Topic, topic, topic. All right. So, uh, as everybody should know by now, I've got my own little side project, which is Simulacra Studios. Yep. uh, Which is my RPG entertainment uh, studio channel, what have you. Um, Link in the show notes. Um, Yes, and there will always be... Pretty much a link in the show notes for <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so uh, this this week, I think Thursday, yes, uh, is uh, gonna, currently well, planned. Uh, when, with, when you're hearing this right now, yeah, if if you're one of our our super fans who listens to the episode as soon as it comes out tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, yep. is going to be the premiere of a new campaign and one that I'm not running. You're not running and you're not playing it. I'm not it. playing it. I Neither might be, is Ryan. I might be a guest uh, on it every now and then. I'm salty. Yeah. Oh, don't uh, worry. I've got some ideas of who I want you to be. Oh, that's in, that's in, cool. In, it's not what you wanted. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to be an Inquisitor. But anyway, Matthew is going to be running a game of wrath and glory yep. on the Simulacra Studios channel. Yep. I have put together a team of people from the Interbuts. Oh shit. Yeah, these are not personal friends. These are people from literally all over the globe. I've got one person from New Zealand, one person from West Australia, one person from I think I think he's in Virginia. Um all in the uh sort of I met them over Discord and online and I got them together because I really wanted to showcase a, I've really kind of fallen in love with Wrath and Glory as a system. Mm-hmm. B, I've always, as I've said multiple, multiple, multiple times, I'm a big fan of Warhammer 40K, at least from a setting perspective. And Fantasy Fight Games, many years ago, got the license from Games Workshop to produce a game line. Um, uh, normally Dark Heresy, Rogue Trader, Only War, Black Crusade, and uh, Dark Heresy 2nd Edition. Um, but they recently, within the last year and a half, we even had an interview with Ross Watson about this. They lost the license, and a Ulysses North America of Torg Eternity fame picked up the license. And Ross Watson and his team have put together Wrath and Glory, which is their iteration of how to roleplay in the 41st, aka 42nd millennium. Um, and that's where we're at now. I really am looking forward to running this game because I had a had a idea percolating in the back of my brain for a while mm-hmm. and surprisingly enough to to the chagrin of some of the people online that i talk to frequently they're like it's not a chaos oriented game it's like no it's not You're playing inquisitional acolytes it's it's actually pretty cookie cutter at least at the beginning <laughs> cool so it's gonna so it's an inquisition game uh that sounds cool as hell so it's all humans i'm assuming yes so the basis of it if let me give you a quick primer for people who may be like what the hell is 40k uh, 40K is the literally the 41st millennia, 
man, mankind has stretched out to the stars. Um, there is a very wide and diverse history of colonization, but unlike a lot of other science fiction, um, this isn't just a, an indifferent universe. This is an actively aggressive universe. This is a universe that doesn't like you, doesn't want you there, and will eat, will devour you. Um, hook, line, and sinker. So what has happened is mankind has basically fallen into this uh, decaying empire called the Imperium of Man. And they fight against all the manner of threats, both foreign and domestic. Um, uh, uh, this is a setting that has great gothic heroics to it. But it's also very mature. I, I use that a little bit lightly. It's not for kids. Let's just be very clear about that. It's, um, it's mature in the sense that like slasher movies are not for kids. Yes. Um, there's a lot of themes in this one um, because it it does it deals with actually a lot of bigotry and a lot of literal xenophobia. Some might call it inaccessible. Yeah. Uh, a little yes. bit, yeah. Well, it was originally written, so a little bit about that. But the backstory, it was written back in the 70s. Nah, that's where um, it started. If, you, if you've ever heard about Warhammer 40K before, think of it like a like a heavy metal album cover. That's the aesthetic. That's like the the the, the, the rough edges of it. It's, yeah, it's just, guys, it's literally StarCraft. They got, the Blizzard literally just made, made StarCraft. <laughs> yeah. It's literally StarCraft. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although Blizzard we, we, ripped this off. They ripped, ripped StarCraft off of this. Yeah, yes. they, sh- they filed the serial numbers off unroughened some of the edges and made StarCraft mm. from 40K. But also, like, 40K was kind of ripped off of Dune. Yes. Uh, oh. You take Dune and D&D and you kind of... Yeah, you kind of put it kinda together make them kiss. and you get the 40K. Because it was originally just a miniature game, and it still is a miniature game, a really fun miniature game. But then, it, I know when I was younger, when I was first getting into both 40K and roleplay, I was like, why can't I do both? Well, there was a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Yes, there uh, had been for years, which and it still it's still, it still exists uh, in a new it's form. Cubicle uh, Seven is currently doing the latest version. I, uh, I, Warhammer Forty K, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay was actually my first tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that was a fucking weird system. Uh, it's still going to be a weird system. I think they brought the job system back for it. Boy, like like you have to hop between jobs um, as you level up. But anyways, Forty K. Um, it is a grim, dark future. It's literally on on the ten. Mm-hmm. That's what explains it. But you also play typically, um, unlike the fantasy flight games, um, where it was predominantly always human focused, mm-hmm. and some of the the Xeno stuff, like the Eldar stuff, the Orc stuff, came later in other books and other supplements. Wrath and Glory did something smart, and they said, "Hey, we're putting it in the base book to begin with. You want to play an orc game? Play an orky game. You want to play a chaos game? Play a chaos game. You want to play an Eldar game? Play an Eldar game. We have the basis of the basics of what you want and what you need right here in this book. This one book, so cool. you can play from there. And there are plans to release books in the future that deal specifically with the setting of Wrath and Glory, which is called the Gilead Sector. That is beyond the." Uh, this is going to be super nerdy. Uh, the Sisatrix Maledictum, which is the great rift that... Oh, my God. <laughs> Nobody gets what I'm saying. <laughs> it's you're, okay, man. If if you're listening to this and you're a 40K fan, you know what you're talking about. If you're not... You're Ryan. Yeah. I Ryan's mean, staring halfway, like a... Halfway what? Scott, too. Ha- Scott doesn't know, know halfway. <laughs> also, guys, we did a really sweet-ass interview with the guy who's like making yeah. this, or yeah. one of the guys who's making this. Maybe listen to that one, too. Yeah, that's Might give you a little listen. bit of background. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Well, uh, actually, what I wanted to give a little bit in sort of when we're talking about not only my game, but Wrath and Glory in general, because I'm going to go over the, sort of an overview of it, is we had that conversation with Ross before it was released. Right. Mm-hmm. Now it has been released for several months. I have a physical book right here with me right now. I've read over he it. He clutches it to him it. all the time. What? Holds it close to his no. chest. He just walks well, around with it. If I'm going to run a game of it, i got to get pretty familiar with it. That is true. That is, that is your job. <laughs> Intimately familiar. <laughs> yeah. And so now I can come here with a better perspective on Wrath and Glory as a system and as a setting of what they're doing. Um, yeah. So where do we want to I know we already started, but where do we want to continue? Tell me about the system, Matt, because that's the only thing I care about. <laughs> it's the only thing I can ex- access. <laughs> the only thing you can relate to. I, I listen, man. I, I played a little bit of the RTS game when I was in like high school, early college. 
I've played a little bit of 40k when there was nothing else going on at a game shop. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I don't know, man. It's it's I always I didn't know there was much more to it beyond those things. Uh the interesting thing about the 40k universe and I won't say that I won't make the challenge myself to convert you by the end of this, but no, it what? sounds fucking cool. I'm not going to... Okay, let me be clear. It sounds rad as hell, but I came to it late, and I can't get... And no one will run a game, <laughs> except you, but you're running it for some guy in New Zealand. So, like, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to go read the fucking novels. Uh, no, and that's, that's what my point I wanted to make is the reason why there's an extremely devoted fan base to not only the FFG line, but the Warhammer 40K universe as a whole is they did something really smart uh, many years ago is they had a lot of authors that were licensed by Games Workshop called Black Library to release all of the books that deal with the setting. I have a copy of Ravenor that someone gave me a long time ago. Yeah. Never read it. There's very large. There's like hundreds of books by this point. They're detailed and some are independent stories, some are stories relating to just the horse heresy. There's an entire saga of books that are just all the things leading up through the horror's heresy. The real Drist situation. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, with so many characters. The real so Drist situation. Got it. <laughs> so many There's drifts. many Drists, and they all have power armor and chainsaws. So, <laughs> it's true. So, well, well, I do want to talk about this, the, the system because I am curious about it. Uh, there is something I do want to bring up, uh, and it is the fact that, at least from the human perspective, and the other alien races aren't that great. Either no, no one's the good guy in the grim no dark one's the future. good guy in the grim dark future. But the humans specifically are a bunch of xenophobic fascist bigots. Yes. So I think like this was less tongue in cheek when it started, but now it has to be tongue in cheek. It's become you wh- can't not you cannot play this game straight. You have to play it at you have to play it ironically. Well, a little more ironically. Um, I mean, I won't say that there isn't a darker side to the fan base, but there and there definitely is. We. We, the fans, have had many, many, many conversations about this. Yeah, if you're that type of fan, stop listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's, it's not good, but it's, it's, it's the idea that it, 40K makes the assumption that human, non, human and non-human interaction eventually goes south some way. Either because, okay, put in some setting context, the Eldari are literally millions-year-old race that have fallen from the great galactic empire, they most of the ones that humans will interact with either want to enslave mankind straight up or want zero things to do with them because they're like their own aesthetic, mm-hmm. like aesthete sort of removal from from life because if they give in to their own indulgences, they risk falling to terrible powers. Oh, yeah, their hedonism spawned a chaos god, so yeah. it's not great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the orcs are inherently... Those violent. ones are the like, Protoss for anyone who yeah. was following along in <laughs> Blizzard land. Yeah, um, but actually the Eldar are cool because they're all... They use a lot of psychic powers and they use a lot of what they call Wraithbone, which is essentially like cool necromantic spirit material. So it's... it's Ghost very rock. Cool. Ghost, Ghost sex. Rock. Yep. What? But anyway, so that's one thing that, like, if you're ever going to dip your dip your toe into 40k, you have to be 100 percent aware of just how tongue in cheek and ironic you have to be when playing yeah, this. You have Otherwise, to, you will go to dark, dark places you, that aren't worth going. You have to. to examine the 40k universe and going. The only reason that this this is the way the setting is is because there has come down to almost no re there's no other response to the shit that has happened Mm -hmm. and that you have to do this in order to sustain a galactic empire. Plus this is where the Dune influence comes in is they still keep a nobility. The Imperial man keeps a nobility functional. And so it's basically what they call neo feudalism. Mm -hmm. Um, Every planet, um, even any, any habitable planet in a, in a system is, has a governor that answers to the Imperial man. They can run that world. However they see fit. As long as the taxes keep flowing up and the manpower keeps flowing up to the Imperium, they don't care. Well, you say that, but they do care because there are things called Inquisitors <laughs> who come to your planet and sniff yeah. out heresy or or in dissent or whatever. Well, when I say that this, the 40K universe is inherently hostile, I'm not kidding. There's another dimension called the Warp, uh, a.k.a. the Immaterium, that if mankind is not curtailed and monitored... 
they fall to chaos very quickly, and then the ruinous powers, aka the four chaos gods, start influencing them, and if you think the Imperium of Man is bad, you want to talk about, like, literally giving your soul over to chthonic entities that want you to do nothing but uh, murder and pillage everything yeah, around. they're very much like the, they're kind of like the Lovecraftian gods, with the exception of they do care about you. Yeah, they, they, they are they, keenly interested in you. They feed off your emotion. Because mm-hmm. the warp, that was, that's the old kicker with the warp is as sentient race that has emotional responses to the thing, it bleeds into the immaterium. Mm-hmm. Mankind is very, very big and they've been doing lots of stuff for a really long time. Uh, and so that has enriched them greatly. And then when mankind has expanded out to the stars and started getting influenced with all these other things, their interaction got closer and closer, and that has fed them to the point that they're like, no, 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 it's totally cool. You should totally worship me. You have great powers. Just keep doing these terrible things to everyone else. Well, and then they have this, in that so the Imperium of Mem has this Inquisition mm-hmm. that that keeps everyone in line, and it, the Inquisition has, like, ultimate power. Well, Pretty much ultimate power. Like, they, if, if a world gets to a certain point... It is standard operating trip procedure to to initiate the exterminatus issue. Yeah, their order, the, which is just wipe the whole planet. Yeah, the Inquisition, the Inquisition as an organization and individual Inquisitors have power to do that. Now they don't call that very lightly. That's actually kind of slightly been retconned really? a little bit. They have that power, but it has been redone to say Inquisitors are not supposed to do that frequently and are not supposed to do that. Um, only on the the most extreme cases. You get like a weird rep if you do it too often. It's like, oh, there's Trigger Finger Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you do another one this uh, week, and, Joe? And the yeah, Inquisition is sort of the, it, the <laughs> crazy bastard. Uh, going back to the secret police th- uh, analogy, the Inquisition literally is the secret police. They are the most open secret that exists because nobody knows who exactly works for the Inquisition, but they do know. But everyone knows the Inquisition exists, um, and. For my game, that's what the PCs will be. They will be working for an NPC Inquisitor. They will be going to a a, a world called Piety in the Darusus Marches. In the it's a subsector of the Calixus sector. If you're familiar with the, the FFG line, they aren't. Yeah, some of them might be. Some yeah, of them might the Calixus sector was the main setting for the FFG line, and cool, cool. Uh, I have taken a little bit of all the knowledge out and made it went to one of the subsectors of the Calixus sector and said, I'm going to play around with this. This is where I'm going to play. So there's going to be some hard decisions that the PCs are going to have to make yes. pretty much. Um, they're going to the be the, 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 the conceit of the game is you are all acolytes of the inquisitor. You're going to this high world and high worlds uh, are literally they're Coruscant. Yeah. Uh, Only more parable. Yeah. Well, there, there's spires in the sky that were stretched like 20. Think of a Livus Maz, mm-hmm. like on Mars. Mm-hmm. But a city, it all it's hollowed out. It's entirely just a city, and those are what they're going to one specific place called Clement. Uh, one I made up called Clemency, where they're going to be dealing with a whole bunch of it's piety. What? It was piety. No, the world is called piety. The hive is called Clemency. Ah, <sighs> that, that ecclesiastic <laughs> bullshit. Yes. Um, how many? Okay, here's the thing. They spend the how many worlds? They had to run out of like ecclesiastical names at some point, or are you like, no, this one's this one's Clemency Seven. Yeah, no, actually, some worlds are just called like R nine four two three. Like, okay, that's, some worlds are just called that. It depends on where, uh-huh. who, who founded it, when they found it, and what they decided to just start calling it. <laughs> yes, and then they're going to the specific neighborhood of Orthodoxy <laughs> uh, within the apartment building uh, of uh, of the, the Tetranoticon. Uh, <laughs> I've had some fun with some of the backstory stuff that I'm working on for the game of just coming up with bullshit, just bullshit names, just bullshit names that sound on the cool. ultimate of redundancy. <laughs> <laughs> that is where the heresy lies. That's where the heresy. It's actually inside. It's an Xbox controller that has some chaos in it. Yeah. That's entirely tech heresy. That's mm-hmm. entirely a thing. Um, if there, if we keep mentioning like religious uh, uh, undertones of this game. Uh, they're not undertones, they're overtones. They yeah. hit you literally with with the futuristic version of a Bible because the future is not only full crazy fucked up grim dark technology but also like the most dark age Catholicism that you ever wanted that ever existed. Oh yeah, it's super space Catholicism. It's yes, it is. It, that's what it was founded off of. It was like the idea, the reason why space marines look like crusaders in uh crusaders in full knight armor. Mm-hmm. Is because that's where they got the idea from, um, and that they even call their great wars against a particular foe, Crusades. Crusades yep. 
um, because mankind has been unified under one religion, even though that was not the original intent of the emperor to do that. But over 10,000 years of bullshit has happened. And basically there's something called the Imperial Creed, also known as the Imperial Cult, which is believes the empire, emperor of mankind that sits upon the golden throne of Terra, holy Terra, by the way, uh, is basically God, a God made manifest. He is the human Ooh, God. Going back to the old, old stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 Real, real divine monarchy shit. It's oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty close. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, the emperor, there's some fucked up shit going on with that. Oh, man. Uh, don't even get me started. I could literally do multiple podcasts about the history of this goddamn I, setting. Someone has already done that podcast. That's why we Aren't do. you editing that podcast? <laughs> I, I am. I am. Uh, tell you much. Kind of. I'm not a. Su- I don't consider myself a super fan, but I am a fan because I edit the uh, Grimdark podcast, a podcast about the role playing in of Warhammer 40k which they've covered a lot of the fantasy flight games but now they are specifically doing a lot of stuff in Wrath and Glory like more like detailed specific cool. things and so that's what the game will be about they will be on this planet trying to suss out some issues that the planet is having mostly riots are causing uh, uh, are starting to threaten some some infrastructure on this planet oh no oh no and so they have to figure out they're going to be there to try to figure out what's going on. Um, they will have two missions. One is very public. Well, one mission the uh, one mission of the PCs, some officials on the planet will know why they're there to do mm-hmm. um, and know they're a part of the Inquisition. Uh, the other one is secret that only they know about that uh, I will let the players know on uh, on when the game starts. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so... If you can't tell already, it's a game where in 2019, you have to be real fucking on the ball. Yes. Because it can tread on some stuff that's happening. Um, But here's the interesting thing. So when I meant literal xenophobia, I do mean literally there are aliens out in the universe that humankind typically don't like. Now, there are are xenos and other human non-humans that are a part of the Imperium of Man. Mm-hmm. They are considered more like second-class citizens, but they are part of... They are a part of it. And there's not traditional racism. Doesn't... Like, your skin color doesn't matter. We oh, yeah, have, no. It's just good. It's just good old classism. Yes, very good much so. old. Are you? Where were you born? Where does it start? Who? Who's your family? Mm-hmm. How much money do they have? Um, can you trade your lineage down to these nobles of Terra? Um, because you have the High Lords of Terra, which are basically the Senate, because the Emperor of Mankind is not an active, like, mm-hmm. guiding force. So you have a Senate, essentially, of nobles that live on Terra that guide all of this galactic empire. Good old aristocracy, yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it, it's a game where you kind of have to, you kind of have to put your, your, uh, put your heart out there and, and, Buy into the fashion. Now, if you want to play a game of like you're just some base marines killing a whole bunch of Tyranids, which are basically uh think uh, which are just the Starship Starship Troopers, the Zerg, yeah, that that kind of shit. If you just want to do that, go right ahead, have a grand have a grand old time. You are not you're probably not gonna run into any sort of trouble problematic issues. Any of the socio political issues. Yes, you will not run into those. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun universe to like just sort of appreciate. Yes. So I'm, it's I'm, very rich. So if you start going down the rabbit hole of it, there's thousands and thousands of hours of stuff to read and sort of absorb um, because there's been a lot of work done. And they have Games Workshop, uh, furthermore, problematic elements have been trying to get more, be more inclusive and more um, sort of on the pulse of, the, of modern mm-hmm. society. They are a European company. They're stationed in Europe. Actually, America only has like a few actual legitimate games workshops, mm, stores, yeah. like official ones where they're all over Europe. Oh, yeah. Like they're all over the place and like in Australia and all that place. Well, you know, any anytime you have a game where fascism is baked right into the main main group of people, you're going to attract a certain type of person. Yeah. But, yeah I mean, yeah, it, it's not it's not the game's fault. It's just people really, really like being fascist sometimes. I mean, so, there's the Camarilla and Vampire, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it, part of the appeal, I, I've always looked at it, because I've I've thought about this a lot, is part of the appeal is you feel like you're a part of a, a bigger whole. Well, I mean, okay, I will say that in our Aeon game, mm-hmm. 
depending on if 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 we weren't the good guys, which we if, doing, yeah. if if we didn't have a check mark next to like we're obviously the good guys in this one, if you change a couple of things, it's like yeah, you know, we're pretty lockstep. You know, yeah, you guys are. You guys are We're soldiers. legionnaires. We are yeah. part of the military force. But yeah, it's sometimes it's fun to play like the lockstep in mm -hmm. it, in it to win it for your for your home team. And, and the cool thing about those types of stories is you believe you believe you're you believe you're right. You believe you're trying to do something noble, something better. Like a lot of my the players and the characters are making a lot of them. They're a little more grayer than others, but a lot of them, all of them believe I'm doing something that will help all of mankind. And that's sort of the macro perspective you have to have is. Mm -hmm. This isn't about like one world and like democracy and equality and all that. It's about saving and keeping humanity, all of humanity safe and in the stars uh, and keep being oppressed by yeah. other outside forces. Yeah, because if this if this planet goes bad, then that's just a beachhead for the enemy that wants to literally skull eat yeah. everything. Yes. Um, and yeah, there there's uh, and the, it's also really cool setting for like if you're big into horror. Like you're big into like aliens and predator and all of those sort of like horror visceral alien encounters horror. It's very very good setting for that because there's tons oh, of it also out like there. Dead space. Yes, very right. yes yes. Because that's that's the the enemy is human the enemy is humanity being mutated. Actually, and... I love dead space because the they're playing with the same gas. Mm -hmm. They're cooking with the same gas there. Well, um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, with a property this old, you know, the DNA gets into just every old thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's move on to, because we'll probably come back to the setting, but let's talk about the core system and or how it works. Yes, how do I roll the dice? Tell um, me, it's tell me D how dice work. Yeah, it is a D6-based system, very much similar to how Ross explained. Um, you roll, and every dice that is a 4 or a 5 is something called, is a success, a.k.a. what they call an icon. You mm -hmm. get an icon. You roll a 6, you get an exalted icon, which is considered two successes. If you roll uh, a one or two or three, those are no icons. So you'll every die essentially has fifty percent chance of sure. getting you something. On almost every uh, test, not roll. There's actually a difference between test and roll in the system. Uh, you'll roll something called a wrath die, similar to the hunger die in in V five. You replace one of your die with something called the wrath die. Mm -hmm. The wrath die needs to be different from the other, so you can because they have special rules. The wrath die you get. Icons and exalted icons and everything. However, you roll a six, you get um, you get um, um, for a six because depending on what you're rolling, like in combat, it's a critical. You get, okay. a, you, get a, you score a critical. Um, whereas if you roll one on the wrath die, you get something called a complication. A complication is just GM add something new to the situation that, that uh, okay. Maybe, so it's your standard. You roll the you roll the good, you get the good. You roll the bad, you get the bad. However. You could roll a complication and still succeed on the roll. Right. I, mean, uh, I blow I blow your head off of my bolter, but my clip comes out of my gun. Right, right, right. I'm, I mean, Fantasy Flight and system is very similar. Do you only roll one Wrath die, or do you get right. multiple? Uh, the only time you would roll multiple is actually activating psychic powers. That's just how the psychic uh. system works, is you can you can get more free dice. You can mm -hmm. get free dice for to pushing your psychic powers, but you by doing that, you add... You say I'm pushing my powers and I get more wrath die. And the if you roll multiple complications on those wrath oh, die, that shit happens. Worse and worse stuff happens to you as you open up yourself to the war. Yeah, it's real Akira like. Yeah. So you're not not far off that. You really aren't at some. I mean, I, I mean, I oh, I, I, I smell the character. juice. I smell the juice they're cooking with here. I get what they're doing. Um, because you get what we in, call a brain buddy. Yeah, <laughs> a buddy that lives in your brain <laughs> and pushes you to murder. Oh, by brain buddy, I mean I've taken over your body and soul, and uh, now you're mine, and you do what I want. Yeah, brain buddy, brain buddy, brain, 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 brain buddy. buddy, and me. Kill your family. <laughs> Kill your family. Uh, yeah, and uh, if if it isn't obvious in the in the 41st millennia. They have psychers, and the and how psychic powers are determined. Are, they are people or beings that have an innate connection to the warp, and they can bring the warp, their the unreality of the warp here, and do fantastical things. Uh, but they run the risk of doing terrible, terrible things to themselves and everyone around them. So they're basically like slave collared. Like if if you're if you're a psyker, you are either in the service yes. and very deeply controlled. Or there's a bullet in your head, or you get shift off the Terra to feed. The yeah, the, the black ships. If you're found to have psychic potential, like you or you're, you you could even get in trouble if you're a latent psyker, like you don't have any active powers. But if you have any power at all, and they find out, 
either you need to become a sanctioned one if you're strong-willed enough, mm-hmm. or uh, you'll get on the black ships and either you'll become a sanctioned sacred or you'll be fed to the Golden Throne to feed the uh, ever-unliving, undying empire, emperor of mankind because he's basically a lich on a throne. Mm-hmm. And in his chair, huh? Yeah, pretty yep. much. He's in the chair. <laughs> he is, the, is he is he the chair? He is the chair at this point. At uh, this point, yes, he is basically the chair. Oh, it's almost like he's some kind of frozen throne. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Man, I, boy, a lot of people ripped a lot of shit from 40k oh, because yeah. Chronicles of Riddick, like that oh, universe, yeah. is like I, I smelled like oh man, that's coming right off it. Blizzard man, Blizzard, Blizzard re- did it, did it the most obvious because they're like oh we have we have Zerg. Oh, you mean Tyranids? Because they released Tyranids a little bit before Blizzard was like, here's StarCraft. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Psychers are there. They have cool psychic powers. Um, and the base system is there are what they call archetypes. You have your base. Well, back up. You have your race, which is human, Eldari, Orc. Uh, they actually differentiate Space Marine and then Primaris. The and and um, what? Stardis. Yeah, Stardis, uh, Stardis and then um, Primaris. Uh, Primaris Astartes um, as different races. And what they've done in the system is they've made something called tiers, tiers of play. Basically saying, how big and big of a scope is your game? Um, Based on that, we'll determine certain races that you're allowed to play, that you Hmm. can purchase to use. So if you're playing just a hive gang with just like a gang of dudes in a hive somewhere, it's probably a tier one game. You're not going to do big things. You're probably always going to stay in the hive. You're not going to handle like... Tyranid threats and stuff like crazy stuff like that. But if you're like, we're on a crusade against the Tyranid Horde, you're probably a tier three or four game. You'll all probably be playing some Space Marines or some really potent humans, mm-hmm. really capable humans, and are going to actively work together towards uh, some mission. And so the bigger your tier, the bigger the scope, the more points you have to play with for your, making your character. And that lets you purchase the race as well as your archetype, which is essentially kind of your class, but it's not as not like D and D where it's like you have levels. Not as rigid. It's not as rigid. It's much more open. Um, the bulk of your character is buying attributes and skills. That is the bulk. There are things called talents, which is essentially, if you're familiar with D and D, feats, or basically they are purchasable abilities that are just like give you unique edges to the system in order to make yourself a little different than everyone else. So do you, uh, you basically make a dice pull out of your attributes and skills. Yes, yes and exactly what, what you, you do. Off of. Um, yeah. And your talents and your class features, your archetype features will augment that pool. A lot of them are like, add your rank because inside tier you have rank, you have one to five rank. And basically mm-hmm. you can kind of think of them like levels, but mm-hmm. they're uh, basically your rank says, I'm at this tier. I'm a ganger, but I, maybe I'm a really experienced ganger. I've been doing this for many years. Maybe you're playing at a rank three game. You've been doing this a while. And so if you have an ability that says, add your rank to this roll, you would add three dice to the roll. Um, Easy. And so is there like tests where you like have to hit, hit a certain number of icons in yes. order to succeed? Yeah, that's how the general says is if you, your difficulty number is the number of icons you need. Um, and one of the more unique mechanics of the system is not just the rat die, but how they start interacting with resources that the player and the GM have. So mm-hmm. there are every player has starts to get each session with two rat die, uh, wrath uh, points essentially. Wrath points can be used to reroll, mm-hmm. and by reroll I mean reroll all failed dice. Oh, so cool. you keep all your successes, but anything that doesn't fail other than the wrath die can be re-rolled and That's then cool. counted. So if you want to do something spectacular, you can. Wrath can also be used to heal yourself a little bit. It can be used for a few other resources that are running around. like uh, like, And then there's a group resource that everyone has, very similar to Momentum mm-hmm. in Aeon. It's called Glory. I was wondering when that was going to come in. Yeah. Glory is the collective pool and that you start with zero. No one has any... The group has zero points at the beginning of the session. And then... At you do things, glory can be added to the pool. Namely, if you store a critical uh, in combat, you get a glory. If you do a test and you can push a, one of your exalted icons and say, I'm exp- I'm not going to use it for the roll, I'm basically going to convert it to a glory and put it in the pool. Um, then the GM has something called Ruin. Ruin is essentially anti-wrath. 
It's, oh my. It's, it's, I can do things for my NPCs to make things more complicated for you guys. Those like corruption in, in Aeon. Yes, absolutely. It works very similarly. Um, and so, and there are, there's a push and pull between all these resources. Um, another thing is if you have, if you have purchased, uh, because uh, Ulysses North America, North America, if you're familiar with Torg and Torg Eternity, they have something called the campaign deck um, for Wrath and Glory. They have cards you can play that everyone gets one at the beginning of a session that do unique, special things. <laughs> Never After has had that for as long as I've been playing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of games are starting to do yeah. this. It's uh, just the, hey, want to know some weird shit that happens? I know some weird shit yeah, that happens. Like, mm-hmm. um, some of them, because I had to make, because I'm doing the, my game over Roll20, I've had to make some digital versions of these decks because I really want to play with them. Some are like, uh, for for uh, for campaigns like the Emperor protects you, you can heal yourself. You say something profound and you can heal yourself by play and play the card. That's cool. Um, they're unique, special. They almost all of them have like do X mm-hmm. in game, like do a rousing speech and conv- and play the card, and an NPC automatically without a roll will side with your argument. That kind of stuff. They That's also cool. have a wrath die wrath deck, which essentially is how you can negotiate criticals. If you get a critical combat, flip the card over and go, oh, he took more wounds. He took a headshot. He took a bullet to the head. He takes more wounds, and he has he's staggered for a round. Stuff like that. St- things to or keep wounds things. like hit points, basically. Yes. So the, the hit point system is they have shock, which is kind of like essentially your stamina, your psychological mm-hmm. and physical stamina. Um, and there are wounds. You have obviously a lot more shock than you do wounds. Uh, wounds are actual physical injuries. Shock comes back more readily. Um, and shock can be used for many different things. It's kind of a lethal system. So walk into that. Obviously, the higher tier you are, the more likely you have better gear and just bigger stats, and you'll be able to make a bigger punishment. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's pretty lethal game because if you hit somebody's resilience, which is basically their personal toughness as well as their armor they're wearing and any other benefits they get... They, you may just take a little bit of shock if you just meet, but for every one you hit over, that you're going to take a wound. And most people, normal people, have like three wounds at most. I see. So you're going to get so a gun can kill you pretty quickly if you're yes. good with it, uh, which I like. I, I that was actually one of the fears when we found out that Ulysses North America was taking over the system. Was is it going to be gritty like the Fantasy Flight games are? Um, and I think they've 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 married grittiness with still being heroic and capable very well surprisingly well most of the fan i mean when i played fantasy flight star wars uh i mean it was actually kind of gritty in terms of how wounds were adjudicated in there too yeah like how much damage you ended up taking that's very new though that star wars stuff is very that's like right new mechanism but yeah because it it was like you could see where like Oh, getting shot where with the a bla- DNA where the DNA was coming. Well, from. you could you, like getting shot with a blaster rifle in that system was no fucking joke, man. Like if you well, were good with a gun, you could ice a dude in one shot. That, that's that's representative of the movies. How many times did Han Solo shoot just a stormtrooper, even in armor? And he went down. Down. He was just yeah. done. He, that dude's out of action. Power armor doesn't save you from a good shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually another thing I like about this system. Let If you got a, a, a competent guy with one of the fancy las guns, because there are many different types of las guns. And he shoots a Marine, if he gets a good shot, he can actually seriously wound, if not down the Marine, because he's he's that good with it. Whereas a Marine, more times than not, is probably just going to take his bolter and blow, just vaporize dudes with his bolt gun, because that's what happens. Yes, ultraviolence is a is their section about how to deal with the setting is very interesting in the book, because they actually say, yes, uh, everything is war, uh, and ultraviolence is a thing. Like, you're just going to have to get deal with it that's part of the I mean, setting. that's kind of part in, i mean i don't know much about the 40k setting but i do know that ultraviolence is kind of life is incredibly cheap yes and, 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 and the and brutality is like hey ever had your skull ripped out through your mouth what you're, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna is that physically possible doesn't matter it will happen the emperor wills itself <laughs> about these uh, yep yeah, and, and so that's the basis of the system. There's a lot more, obviously, that kind of goes into it, but that's actually the core mechanics, and they're really, relatively simple. They're actually they much like it. simpler than the Fantasy Flight system because that used, that was a D100. And mm. if you want to think a D20 is bad Oof. and merciless, yeah. a D100 is 
awful. Was it D hundred roll under or D hundred roll over? Yeah, D hundred roll under. Okay. You had to roll under, and there's like modifiers. And then everything. you just add, and then you just like spend points to up the percentage of the thing. Yeah, that you're and trying your to skills do. can modify that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and unknown armies, modifies. unknown armies, uh, other edition, like the original edition that I played. D100 oh, system. Well, the D100, I mean, it was good for being random and gritty and sort of like you felt you felt um, a sense of accomplishment if you had a character that was well experienced mm-hmm. and like gone through some shit because he's like, I rolled really well. The luck was in my was on my side and I made it this far. Like yeah, there's no guarantee that I would that I would have made it this far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a little more control on the player side. Mm-hmm. To make the make the 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 game more heroic and more sort of cinematic, mm-hmm. but there's still enough grittiness in it that you that you can basically get the real feel of the 40k universe. How do they deal with permanent injury? Because I have a feeling that's got to yeah, be a thing. Yeah, that's actually absolutely part. Actually, they have a system for so typically games they recommend, but you can totally throw the rules out the window if you want. They say most games don't go beyond a single tier. So if you play a tier two game, you're just going to stay a tier two game. That's it. You can move characters beyond tiers. They call it ascending. And they have ascension. We're going to get more of them, but there are two in the book. The one's called, um, I think, one's called uh, Stay the Course and Psychic Ascension. Uh, Stay the Course is you are your class, your archetype, but you're just a more powerful version of it. Basically, you pay some points, you get some more war gear, you get a memorable injury. Um, or corruption to say I've gone through some crap to get where I'm at. I get to be a big boy now. I get to be a bigger boy and get to deal with this is where because Wrath and Glory and in the Gilead system and Ross explained this uh, uh, is this is very different. This is in the modern setting of the 40k universe where half of the galaxy has been divided by this thing called the Great Rift. On the other side they call it the um, uh, the, the Dark Imperium. It basically just said this is a dark place. This is a place where they ha- everyone's scrabbling to survive. So you're going to play a group that is multi-cultured, uh, more multi, uh, multi-typed. Basically, you're just not going to be a Marine with just Marines. Mm. You're going to be a Marine. Like on the cover of the book, they have a Marine with a Commissar with a Tech Priest. In the normal traditional 40K universe, that almost never happens. This one's like, no, you could play in a group with a Space Marine and Eldar together doing something together because, well, if we don't, the Tyrion's are going to come over and eat our face. And then everyone's dead. Well, they, they, a lot of, okay, well, this has been a real big trend among all the games that have been releasing new editions now. It's like giving a reason for a mixed bag of people right. in one group. The only one where it's still just like you can't sell, sell it really well is in the World of Darkness where, like, certain <laughs> groups just don't. Well, in, 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 uh, exclusion and inclusion are like tight themes they're, in them. Yeah, they're they're part of the game. It's like werewolves and vampires; they don't hang out. It's just... although I will say, uh, for Chronicles of Darkness, they're releasing uh, what's called the Contagion Chronicle, uh, which is explicitly everybody everybody's in on the game. Everyone's in the pool. Like they they basically like, they they basically put together. I, I don't know what it is, but they basically they contrive a very good reason why. A vampire and a, and a mage would get together and do stuff. Uh, I'm actually, I'm very curious to read that and, well, and to play a game. And why it that. is you, advantageous for you to get together and do with stuff. other yeah. with other you, people? Usually, it's the well, we can't fight in our sandbox if the sandbox is vaporized. Yeah, is or, or we can't we, up. or we can't solve this problem on our own. Like one one. Our version of the solution doesn't solve the entire problem. We mm-hmm. need everyone else's, and we need to solution. coordinate with yes. the other people. Um, and that's really what the the uh, Dark Imperium is about, is the idea of strange bedfellows because of desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's their conceit of, no, you can play a party with an orc and an Eldar and a space marine all doing weird shit together. Um, and, and traditionally, that would have never happened. They would, they would, they would. Too much to xenophobia. Yeah, too much, too much bad blood on everyone's on everyone's side in order to uh, to not get along. Now, I'm sure in any mixed party game, there's going to be a lot of you know trust issues. Yes, and a lot oh, of yeah. backbiting. Yes, but you know, your face. Don't let it. Don't let it get eaten. Yeah. No. No. Uh, there are bigger threats out there. Um. And yeah. And and maybe one day we'll see squats. <laughs>
Ah, uh, you had to bring up squats, didn't you? I had to bring up squats. So obviously, if you if you're familiar at all with 40k, it's essentially fantasy, but in the far uh, as future. So Eldar are elves, elves, sci-fi yeah. elves. Uh, the uh, you have orcs, which are I'm just orcs. orcs. Yep, they're just orcs. They're just orcs. They may red ones go faster. Uh, mm. We we explained that on Patreon content, and and Ryan had a giggle about that. Maybe want to be one. Yep, <laughs> they're they're the comic relief. Of the 40K universe, by the way. Which is why I want to be one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, and so for back in the early editions of the game, they had something called squats. Squats were humans that had been isolated because of storms. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, our, in our, our space travel is we have to go through the literally go to hell and come back. Yeah, it's, the, horizon, it's the event horizon. Yeah. Horizon, anyone? Uh, that's where they stole from. That entire movie is like 40K. Somebody invented the first war, the first uh, warp drive. Warp, warp drive didn't work out. Didn't <laughs> work out. Literally came back with possessed ship, which literally can happen in the 40k universe. Oh yeah, yeah. And so squats were isolated humans that were on high, super high gravity planets, and they got over many generations they shrank and they got stout and squatty. Space and pygmies. What? Space pygmies. Oh, uh, dwarves. No dwarves. Oh, space dwarves. Space dwarves. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they all got Scottish accents. Um, and- yeah, there's actually like lore in. There's actually modern lore about how they may be bringing them back in some way. Well, like I they remember, got wiped okay. out by so Tyranids, and then they. There came. was a video a couple of I think about a year ago, where it was in a games workshop, like the headquarters, and like they had they had like a clock that they had like a countdown clock, and they had this thing where anytime they ever get an email about squats, they they reset the clock. Yeah. But this time they went to reset the clock, but then the sign fell down. <laughs> like or the, the clock broke and like, well shit, we have to do it now. <laughs> yeah, because it was always funny. It's just space dwarfs. They're space dwarfs. Um, yeah, they have almost all the fantasy Eldar, fantasy elves, uh, orcs, uh, everything. Then you have like the truly just like crazy ass things like the gene stealers, which are xenomorphs, mm-hmm. straight up xenomorphs. Um, and then the Tyranids, which are just basically Zerg. Well, um, gene stealers are a type of Tyranid, right? They have been retconned really? in the last couple of uh, editions to say that was the case. Originally, they were not the same thing. Are there huh. dark Are there dark Eldar? Yes, yes actually, they're, they're called... Okay. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I have, have to mention something. I'm saying Eldar. I'm saying Eldar and an an orcs and stuff. Problem is they can't be copyrighted, so they've changed all of their names so they could be copyrighted. So now they're known as Dari. Yeah, the Aldari, which is oh, like for Wrath and Glory, they had to change all these. No, things? no, for for forty for Games Workshop. Uh, it started with Imperial Guard. You can't copyright Imperial Guard, but you can copyright Astra Militarum. Which is what they're actually called. They're so, so all of their official terminology in the books are called Astra Militarum now, and same with the Eldari. Instead of calling the Elder Eldar uh, or Elder, you can't copyright that. They co- they called them the Eldari now. Uh, the Stupid. the Dark Eldar are called the uh, not Dothraki because that's fucking Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, the Dothraki they, they cross the narrow sea on their space horses. The space horses. <laughs> Uh, we have we have uh, we, one of the chapters of Space Marines are uh, um, they are space Mongols. Lesai, <laughs> Lesai, uh, the Jukari. They're called the Jukari. The Dark Eldar are called the Jukari, but they're not like black skin. They look like Eldar, but they're you will notice them by the BDSM gear they wear because they're all hedonists. They are the leftovers of the original. Eldari Empire that fell when Slanesh was born because of their hedonism, and they were like, fuck it, we're going to still do what we do. We don't care. Oh, spawn the chaos, God. Oh, well. Keep fucking. Well, actually, they have to. Yeah, um, no, no, they have but, to. But they are cursed that if they don't inflict emotional pain on others, they, um, their slow is slowly sucked out into the warp by Slanesh, so they have to keep, like, juicing themselves back up. And so, literally, that's why they go out and do, like, they're slavers because they want new people to torture in order to literally emotionally and psychically feed them. Gross. Yes. That's very real. gross. That's really, really gross. That shouldn't be a PC. Nope. Can't nope. Currently, the... they used to be PC things in that was a supplement in, in nope. fantasy games. Th- those sound like things that you shouldn't have any problem killing as a PC. Yeah, like, like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to show mercy to you. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 trust me, nobody likes, uh, Drukari, but but they 
but they still have technology and information from back of their previous empire, which was millions of years old. So they they've got some they got some sway uh, uh, in certain situations, but nobody likes dealing with them. Uh, then the Eldar, the normal Eldar that are the modern version of, uh, are all like they have a rigid caste system. They lived on craft worlds, literally plant, uh, ships almost the size of plant, like large moons that house their house their entire civilization. Um, and they're, yeah, because their homeworld got fucked. Their multiple entire area. I imagine they, the spawning of a chaos got through hedonism, really yeah. good a number well, on the area. Well, there's yeah. a place called the Eye of Terror, which used to be the hub of their uh, empire. That's what it literally is a rift in the warp um, and into reality uh, that just got consumed. By, and any of the Eldar that got onto these craft worlds have been living basically generations and generations and generations on these planet ships things. Uh, so has anyone ever written like a, a short story called The Last Orgasm of the Eldar? <laughs> right, right before the rift uh, opened? No, there is fan fiction, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a lot of cum, Harry Potter. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, you motherfuckers? <laughs> What's J.K. Rowling going to say about someone's cum next? <laughs> uh, 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 but anyways, let's go. Yeah, overall, please tune in 8 p.m. Thursday nights. Uh, this is going to be a weekly game. We're going to run it for about three hours. Please show up. Give us your support. Tell us if you like it, if you hate it, what's going on with it. And it'll be on YouTube and podcasts yes, as well. Yes, it will be. It will be. So if no matter how you consume your media, it will be there. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I put a lot of work in the presentation in working with my players to make sure they have very appropriate characters. Um, we had a, basically a session zero. Oh, online, and we talked about the game, and we got everyone on the same page about what to expect in the game and what they want out of the game. It's going to be super rad. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, anything else? Any questions, Ryan? No. I could literally sit here and talk about six more hours about this, but I don't think you want me to. Cutting you off. <laughs> We're done. We're done. Well, anyways. Uh, anyways. Also, feedback. Please give us that feedback. We've been enjoying. Oh, we the love covers. emails. We love comments. It's great. Yeah, we read them. We, we read them all. We read them all. Thank you all. Uh, and also, uh, become a patron. One buck a month gives you a lot of good stuff. Yes. But anyways, from everyone here at Polyhedron, know where your fun is. Worlds and dice. The Emperor protects. Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know, if you want to give feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh, if you'd really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month and become one of our bosses and really support the show. And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott at DivisMallCav. And you can find Ryan at Arduous. Do you want to spell it? R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys. 